Today's scripture is Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. You may be seated. And as you're seated, let me pray for us once more. So Father, we thank you now for your word. We thank you that you not only um, have given us your word to help us navigate life, but you've given us your son Jesus, who fulfills everything that is necessary for us. So God, we we receive these words not as a burden, but as a gift. And I I pray, Lord, we would come to trust you in a deeper, more profound, more holistic way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you do have a Bible with you, I do encourage you to open up to that passage that was read. Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11 is where we're going to be. Last week we were, we were together, we looked at the Christian understanding of work. What, what we saw is that work is not an addendum to the Christian life, right? It's not like what we do on Sundays is important when we, when we gather with the church and then, and then the rest of the week we're kind of left on our own doing the world's bidding. No, no, no. What we saw is that work is a gift from God meant to bring about the flourishing of society, and it's the way God actually cares for individuals. It's through our work that we love one another. And so as we work, we imitate our God who first worked in creation. Our work, in our work, we either create, enhance, discover, preserve, or or, or fix the world and bring it to be what God has always intended it to be. This week, I want to balance what we said last week about work and talk about rest. Just as work is intended for the flourishing of society, so God also gives us rest for our good and for the sake of others. So I want to talk about rest under three headings this morning. The necessity of rest, the provider of rest, and thirdly, the practice of rest. First, the necessity of rest. Look at verses 8 to 11 again. Let me read it again. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. At its most basic level, the command here to keep the Sabbath holy is a command to stop working. That word Sabbath, the the root word for Sabbath is the word to cease. So for one day, we cease from our labors, and everyone's supposed to do this. Right? It says, regardless of job or class, 
Regardless of how important you either think you are or important you think your work is, you're called to stop. Right? He says, sons, daughters, sojourners, servants, whoever it is, we, we need to take time and stop our work and we need to rest. And I believe if there's ever a time we need to hear this, it's today. When is um, the last time someone asked you how you were doing and you responded, you know what, I'm doing okay. I just wish I was busier. <laughs> For like, I just, if only my schedule was a little bit more full, I feel like I'd be doing, I'd be doing a little better. No. Um, author Tim Chester, he asks these questions. He, he asks six questions. He says, here, here's six questions. See if you've ever answered any, uh, this way to any of these questions. And maybe let that help you evaluate whether or need, you need time to, to rest. So th- these are his six questions. He says, do you check work emails and phone messages at home? To which he responds, are you serious? Have you been around much this millennium? Number two, has anyone ever said to you, I didn't want to trouble you because I know how busy you are. Of course, and I'm glad they have the decency to respect my time. Number three, do your family or friends complain about not getting time with you? Well, they're still learning that quality time is more important than quantity time. Number four, do you often exceed the speed limit while driving? Well, that depends on whether I'm trying to eat french fries at the same time. Number five, do you have enough time to pray? I'm more of a pray continually kind of person. And number six, do you eat together as a family or household at least once a day? More or less, when one person is eating, someone else is usually in the house at the same time. Now, I wish that those questions were all fun and games, except I feel deeply convicted by them. Every time I I hear those questions, I recognize that I probably have some misplaced priorities in my life, and I need to understand where rest fits into all of it. Now, I recognize there are a number of external pressures on us that make us busy. You have rising prices. It's just difficult to, to slow down just trying to afford to, to live. Th- then you have just the fact that there's competition. There's only so few good jobs out there. And so even if I take a break and I'm resting, well, everyone else is still working and they're probably going to get those better jobs than I am. Then because of all the competition, we want our kids to quote unquote get ahead. So we feel like we have to put them in every single extracurricular activity if we want them to succeed in life. Right? Golf, naturally. Soccer. Kumon. Mathletes. We need them to learn Mandarin. Of course, everyone knows that's the future language of commerce. You're freaking out now. Are my kids learning Mandarin? <laughs> and then there's technology. Honestly, which just stokes the fire of all of that. It feels like I can never not see what other people are up to. It feels like I'm always in reach. I can always be doing some work. And so we're busy. And the result of all this busyness is that it actually wrecks us. It destroys us. Physically, we have an increase in stress, obesity, insomnia, 
blood pressure and muscle tension, our immune system decreases, our exercise level decreases. And then mentally, there's increased irritability and decreased patience. We're more prone to burning out and experience panic attacks, suffering from depression or anxiety disorders. So there's work. And, it, and we ought to be hardworking people, but we desperately need rest. One pastor, he puts it this way. He says, what do we lose when we lose Sabbath? We lose grace. We lose grace. This command to rest is a gift from God. Think about what this command actually says about God. Like one of his big ten commandments, right? Like there's only ten that fit on the two tablets, where he's got ten of them. And he goes, you know what? On that list, I want you to put rest. Now, what does this, what does this say about how great our God is? Like why, why don't you slow down, put your feet up once a week, and just, and just take a break from work? And, and this command, it's actually the longest of any of the ten commandments. And it's the most repeated of the Ten Commandments in the Bible. God is fighting on our behalf to ensure we rest. This is how great our God is. This is, this is how much he loves us. Scholars have tried to ask and find out where this concept of a seven-day week came from. Right? Where, where is this whole idea of working six days and then resting one day come from? They thought, surely, this must have come from one of the nations around Israel before actually God gave it to them in the Ten Commandments. Right? So, so think about this for, for a minute. So our 24-hour um, day uh, is based on the cycle of, of the earth spinning around its axis. Uh, the concept of months is largely based on the lunar cycle. The concept of a 365 year, uh, a 365 day year comes from the earth spinning around the sun. Where does the concept of a week come from? Nowhere. It, it's a seven day week is just made up. It's not, it's not based on any sort of celestial cycle. It comes from the Bible. The, the first time we hear of seven days, is from the Bible. Our labor laws are based on this command. God made the earth in six days and then rested on the seventh day. And he goes, now follow my pattern. Now we have, um, and it, it has been perverted, right? We've, there's been opportunities to, to twist this command, to, to make it legalistic. Right, so my wife and I were in Israel a number of years ago. We stayed on the 20th floor uh, in, a, in a hotel there. And on Saturdays, which is their Sabbath day, uh, you, it would be considered work to push a button on the elevator. So what the, the elevator does is it stops at each floor. The doors open up. It waits a few seconds. Then it closes. Then it drops down. And then it goes, keeps going. And floor by floor and floor. Because they're like, well, no, even pressing a button would be considered work. So obviously it's bad. We just ended up walking down. It just would have taken for, forever. But, but at its core, this command, God is saying, is for our good. Rest is a deeply human need. So please listen. 
We absolutely have a whole bunch of external factors that are making us busy. But I think if we're honest, much of our busyness is also due to internal factors. Our work is driven also by our longings, our desires, and our fears. Tim, Tim Crider, he writes occasionally for the New York Times. One of his most famous articles he wrote was called The Busy Trap. In that article, he says this. He says, it is almost always people whose lamented busyness is purely self-imposed. They're busy because of their own ambition or drive or anxiety because they're addicted to busyness and dread what they might have to face in its absence. Busyness serves as a kind of existential reassurance, a hedge against emptiness. Obviously, your life cannot possibly be silly or trivial or meaningless if you are so busy, completely booked, in demand every hour of the day. Do do you see what he's saying? He's saying one of the reasons we're so busy is because we're trying to fill a void in our hearts. And so what's that void? In his book, Crazy Busy, um, author Kevin DeYoung talks about these killer peas. Let, let me give you seven of them. These are some reasons why we might struggle to rest. Number one, people-pleasing. We say yes to everyone because we want their approval and we don't want to disappoint them. Number two, we want possessions. We believe more wealth allows us to buy certain things, buy nicer things, or at least just buy that one thing that if I had would finally make me happy. Number three, we want to prove ourselves. We're either trying to live up to our expectations or the expectations of someone else who if they just said, well done, Daniel, then I'd finally feel good about myself. Number four, we look for pats on the back. We want someone to look at us and go, well done. You're great. Number five, we want pity. We want people to feel bad for how busy we are, how much we have to work, which is really just another form of pride. We're just declaring to other people we think we deserve better than we're receiving. Number six, we want power. If we're working as hard as we are, we feel like we're in control of our lives. And number seven, it's a form of penance. We feel guilty for something we've done, and this is our way of getting clean. So, so Christ City, let me ask you, what's driving you? Why, why are you as busy as you are? What's motivating you? Is there, is there a work underneath the work that's propelling how occupied you are? What is it that you're running after that if you just finally had that thing, you'd feel peace? You finally feel like you're enough finally feel like your life would have value and meaning. What, what's, what's driving you? The reason we need to ask ourselves this question is because as long as there is a work underneath the work, it doesn't matter how much physical rest we take, we'll still feel like we're working hard. Taking a day off will never be enough. See, this is where Tim Crider and I disagree. He says, look, if you just stop, then everything would be okay. 
right? He just says in his article, eventually, just like the, the aim then is you just have to force yourself to take a break. The problem is, is my heart won't stop. My soul won't stop. It's still working, trying to justify my existence. And so I can feel like I'm on vacation. I can be on some beach, kicking it up, drinking some sort of pina colada. And yet my mind is racing, going, There's, if only I finished that thing at home. Or, or what's my, what's my to-do list? Or I, I feel antsy. I look, I look back on the day. I, don't, I didn't feel like I, I did enough. We need not just physical rest, we need soul rest. We need someone to look down on me and approve of me. We need someone to love us regardless of whether we crush it at work or whether we bomb. We need someone who delights in us even when we're not working. That's the deep rest we were intended to enjoy. So then number two, where, where do we get that? Where, where does that rest come from? Number two, the provider of rest. L- listen to these verses from the Gospel of Mark. So one Sabbath, he, that's Jesus, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. They weren't allowed to do that. That was considered work to the Pharisees. So the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the present, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he, that's Jesus, said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man, that's Jesus' most often used designation for himself, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And he entered the synagogue. He goes on. And a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus. The Pharisees are watching again to, to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. You could heal someone if it would save their life, but healing someone's hand wouldn't count for that. And so he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. Then he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. Question for us. What, What does it mean for Jesus to be Lord of the Sabbath? What what does it mean to be Lord of the Sabbath? I I think it means at least three things. One, I think it means that he created it. Right? I think this is a nod to Jesus' divinity, saying, I was there at creation. I I was the one who created the world in six days and then rested on the seventh day. I think it's not to the fact that he created the world. I think he's saying that Sabbath points to him. But thirdly, and most importantly, being Lord of the Sabbath means that he's the one who actually gives it. Jesus is the one who gives the Sabbath rest. So, so, so follow this, this train of thought with me. 
What, what rationale does the fourth commandment use for why we should rest? Right? It says, verse 11, Exodus 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So, so God creates the world in six days. And then he rests. He makes all that is in the world. Sun. And he says, that's good. He makes the moon. says, that's good. He makes light and darkness. It says, that's good. He makes animals and plants and flying things and crawling things. And he says, it's good and it's good and it's good. And finally, at the pinnacle of his creation, day six arrives. He creates man and woman. And he says, they are very good. And then he rests. He rests. Not because... God all of a sudden is tired, not because God now needs a break. When God rests, what he's doing is he's declaring his pleasure. He's standing back like a painter who's just finished his great work of art, and he's pleased in it. He's, he's delighting in it. He says, that it's perfect. There's, there's nothing left to add. It's, it's just the way I want it to be. He's satisfied. Now, fa fast forward to Jesus, okay? So Jesus comes, he, he lives a perfect life, he lives a sinless life. He's getting baptized, and, and the Father looks down on Jesus and says, this is my Son with whom I am well pleased. God the Father displays his pleasure with Jesus. And then Jesus goes to the cross, he dies, not, not for his sin, he's sinless. He, he dies for our sin, he pays our penalty that we ought to have paid and then moments before his death, with his last few breaths, Jesus says the very same thing God said at creation. He also says, it is finished. And then he dies. When Jesus says in John 19.30, it is finished, Jesus is also declaring that everything he's done is perfect. There's nothing left to add to our salvation. And now, if we trust in him, he also delights in us. Jesus applies God's pleasure that he had to Jesus to us. That's what it means when Jesus says, it is finished. Jesus now looks at us and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. This is my son with whom I'm well pleased. This is my daughter with whom I'm well pleased. You don't have to earn my approval anymore. I love you with all of me. And so what day does Jesus die on? He dies on a Friday, and the next day is Saturday, the Sabbath day, the day of rest. T Tim Keller, he says this. He says, by killing Jesus the Pharisees didn't realize that they actually made him Lord of the Sabbath. By killing Jesus, they made him Lord of the Sabbath. It's through his death that he actually gives us rest. So now if we put our trust in Jesus, that there's no more trying to earn our approval. There's, there's no more trying to justify our existence through our accomplishments. We don't, we don't have to live up to some standard. It's finished, Jesus says. 
I've done it all for you. God approves of us if our hope is in Jesus, if our trust is in Jesus, just like he approved of his very own son. And then when that happens, it, it changes the way we work. So beforehand, we had the work, and then you had the work underneath the work, right? You had that extra burden and, and stress. You had, you had the task at hand, and then also that effort that we put into trying to prove ourselves. Well, now we just have the work. We, we just delight in the very activity itself. We delight in the fact that God has chosen to use us for the sake of others. And so it takes away that added burden and stress. J.D. Greer, he puts it this way. He says, apart from Christ, I quote, you will work even when you are resting. With Christ, you can rest even while you are working. Apart from Christ, you will work even when you are resting. With Christ, you can rest even while you are working. See, something changed after Jesus died and rose from the dead. All of a sudden, the day of rest changed from a Saturday to a Sunday. The, the Sabbath day used to be Saturday, and all of a sudden, after Jesus' resurrection, Christians began to rest and worship on a Sunday. Now, part of this reason was a way of commemorating and celebrating the fact that Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday. But also, I think they changed the day of rest because beforehand, Saturday was considered the seventh day of the week. And so you work Sunday through Friday, you work day one through to day six, and then at the very end of the week, you get to rest. You work and you work and you work so that the end is rest. But all of a Sunday, if we begin our week on a Sunday, if we begin our week with rest. Well, that's our new standing. We don't, we don't work to rest. We rest, and out of that rest, we work. With Jesus, it is finished. Our identity, our salvation, our security, our future, our worth, our purpose, all of it given as a gift of grace. So lastly then, the practice of rest. The practice of rest. If, um, if Jesus has secured rest for us, not just physical rest, but rest for our souls, how, how do we live into that? Now, one of the things we believe the Bible teaches is that Jesus fulfilled the legal requirements of these Old Testament commands. So actually, we're no longer legalistically required to rest on a Saturday or a Sunday. If you're picking up shift work on a Saturday or Sunday, you're not, you're not sinning, right? God's, God's freed us from those commands. And yet, we believe that in this fourth command, there are some principles that if we live into will actually help us to experience greater rest. So let, let me give us four things. Here's four ways we can use our time in order to properly rest. Number one, time resting looks like time worshiping. Look, look at verses 8 and 9 again. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. 
But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Uh, true rest, Exodus says here, is not just leisure. True rest is rightly orienting ourselves to God. So he says, look, you should take time, you should set aside time that is holy. Uh, This word holy means set apart. We we get our day holiday or holy day from that word. It's a time where we remember and commemorate something that's been accomplished, right? So um, when we keep a day holy, when we set aside time to rightly orient ourselves to God, we actively remember that God sits on the throne, that he cares for us, that he secured rest for us. See, if, if we don't rightly worship our God, if, if we don't have a big view of God, then we begin to believe that all of a sudden I have to work once again to earn my standing in this world. And so we, we need to remember We need to hit hit pause and and look at Jesus and just see how much God delights in him so that we can see just how much God delights in us. So practically then, what what might this look like? Practically, we should set aside time to read our Bibles. We should should do that regularly. But it's good to set aside even extended time just to to sit under what God has to declare to us. Listen listen to a podcast or, or read a Christian book. We should, we should sing to God, get, get our hearts to try to grasp and just understand how, how great our God is. We should, we should put away distraction. Maybe, maybe put your phone away. Maybe that's keeping you from really understanding and, and just having God speak to you. We need to spend time worshiping. We need a holy day. We need to spend time with God. Secondly, time resting looks like time working. Look look at verses 8 and 9 again. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And then in this command of rest, it says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. This fourth command to rest um, is a command that doesn't just change one day of the week. It changes our entire week. It changes the way we work. If we're truly going to rest and break from work, then the rest of the week we need to work hard. We have to get that work done in the other days of the week. Maybe that means we stay late on a Friday night so that come Saturday or Sunday we can put our phones away, we can walk away from our computer and just press into rest. Now practically, I know there are seasons in our life where we're just required to be busy. If you're um, starting a new job, if you're stepping into a new company, maybe, maybe you're, just, you're just trying to work your way up or you're trying to do something, there's a task or an assignment. There, there are seasons when we're required to be extraordinarily busy. And that's right and fine. But then have someone hold you accountable. Bring someone along to say, hey, you're busy right now, but eventually you need to stop. You you need to make sure you remember that work is not everything in life. Hold me accountable. Help help me to to stop and and slow down eventually. 
One, one author, he says this. He says, avoid carefully the half work which is half rest and which is no good for anything. Work energetically, then relax. Christians ought to be the hardest working people so that they can be the hardest resting people. Thirdly, time resting looks like time playing. As Christians, we should be the best partiers. <laughs> we should. We should be the best people at having fun. Look, just as God took a step back from his creative work and just delighted in what he had done, that should be us too. We, we should work hard and then take a step back and enjoy the fruits of our labor. We're, this is a, a rhythm we're called to live into of working hard and then just partying, just full on, just enjoying all the good things God's given us. So practically as a family, for, uh, for us, this looks like um, Easter and Christmas. Easter and Christmas are just two seasons where we just go hard. We, we just in fun. We, we, we don't hold back. We normally eat great food, just big charcuterie boards, right? We, we stay up late at night watching movies with our kids. We just, we're just trying to enjoy these seasons and, and celebrate. Hot chocolate, maybe a little Baileys in the coffee for, for the adults, not the kids. It's, it's, it's just a, a time of, of fun and celebration. Now, we don't always live that way, but there's seasons for it. Seasons of just pure enjoyment. And then what happens is Sundays become kind of like mini celebrations for our family. So on Sundays, we really, we do, really do want to go like, hey, Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday, family. Kids, let, let's celebrate. Let's, let's have fun. So on Sundays, we have sugar cereal. Thank you, kids ministry teachers. This is, this is, this is a day we get to just enjoy that. We, we try not to say no to our kids on Sundays. We just, you want to do that? Yes, let's do that. Let's, let's play games. Let's have fun. So there's, there's seasons of working, but then there's seasons of playing. Look, work is not strictly burning less calories. Sometimes, uh, or sorry, play is not strictly, or rest is not strictly just burning less calories. Uh, resting sometimes is just doing something different. So if you're an accountant, um, maybe don't do your family's finances on a day of rest. Maybe, maybe you just love numbers and you're like, this is so much fun. I love doing this. Then if great, do that. But if that's a burden to you, don't, don't do that. Rest. If, but look on the, on the flip side, if you're working an office job all week, like I, I'm sitting at my desk most of the week, you know, for me, a little bit of rest actually looks like mowing my lawn and pulling weeds and just getting sweaty. I just, I just honestly just a break that, that's resting to me. So find something that gives you life. Work hard, but then play hard. Lastly, time resting looks like time serving. Exodus 20 verse 10 says this. On the seventh day, the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son, or your daughter, your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner that is within your 
gates. Within these few words, we get a clear instruction that it's not just us who are to take a day off, but then everyone else has, still has to work for us. Right? You see that in here? It's not just that we get a break, but then if you're an employer, all your employees still have to work for you. All your other employees still have to make sure they're earning your worth in the world. No, the command is, look, everyone gets a, a, a break here. You're not furthering yourself, and they're not furthering you. But then, Jesus actually takes this command and goes one step further. Right, so what did, we, what did we read Jesus do in the book of Mark? Jesus doesn't just further himself, he furthers others. He serves others on the Sabbath. See, serving others is one of the best ways of declaring that God has already given us all the rest we need. Serving others is one of the best ways of living into the rest that has been given to us. Because all of a sudden, I'm saying, God's got me. I don't have to earn my worth in this world. I don't have to worry about if I'm going to have enough food on the table. Man, God's on the throne. God will give me everything I need. And if that's really true, if God has really said it is finished, man, I can trust him. And now... Instead of working for myself, I can take all that energy and effort and I can work for the good of others. Here, let let me show you just how much rest I believe has been given to me. Let let me love on you and spoil you and and help you along. So look, if, if you're an employer, practically, this might mean paying your employees well. Pay them so that they can feel like they can take a day off of rest. If, if, if mom is the one making dinner, three times, or uh, making meals three times a day, six days a week. Maybe resting or serving looks like making a meal so that mom can rest. Maybe it looks like babysitting someone else's kids so that they can take a day of rest. But look, the point is we're looking around and going, how can I use the rest that God has given me to actually serve others? How can I love others because everything I need has already been given to me? So let me end with these words. Please please hear this. If you are weary today, if you have been working yourself down to the bone, you need to hear this. Matthew 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Go to Jesus. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the one who gives true deep rest. Let me pray for us. Father, we confess that there are many moments where we don't believe that it has actually been finished. Lord, we still crave the pleasure and approval that comes from this world instead of which comes from you. And so God, we just pray, help us to believe. 
Help us to believe that you love us and delight in us. God, I pray that we would be people who uh, can truly take a time of deep rest, not just physical rest, but a, a soul rest, when, when we break from the work underneath the work. God, help us to trust in Jesus. God, we want to come to you who gives rest for our souls. Do this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.